Chapter 8. The cat, by himself, was a swift and efficient traveler. He had no difficulty at all in picking up the trail of the dogs from the point where they had turned off in a westward direction from the river. And the only thing that held him back was rain, which he detested. He would huddle miserably under shelter during a shower, his ears laid flat, his eyes baleful more crossed than ever, waiting until the last drop had fallen before venturing out again. Then he would pick his way with extreme distaste through the wet grass and undergrowth, taking a long time and stopping often to shake his paws. He left no trace of his progress. Branches parted slightly here and there. Sometimes there was a momentary rustling of dried leaves, but never a twig cracked and not a stone was dislodged from under soft shore feet. Without his noisier companions, he saw everything and was seen by none. Many an animal remaining unaware of the cold, silent scrutiny of the undergrowth or from up a tree. He came within touching distance of a soft-eyed deer drinking at the lake's edge at dawn. He watched the sharp, inquisitive nose and bright eyes of a fox peer from the bushes. He saw the sinuous, twisting bodies and lean, vicious faces of mink and marten. Once he looked up and saw the otter-like head of a fisher high above him, framed in the leafless branches of a birch, and watched the beautiful tail stream out behind when the animal leapt a clear 15 feet through the air into the swaying green obscurity of a pine. And he watched with disdain the lean gray timber wolf loping quietly along the trail beneath him as he rested on the limb of a tree above. Those that he encountered face to face would not meet his eyes and turned away. Only the beaver went about their business and paid him no heed. Age-old instinct told him to leave no trace of his passing. The remains of the prey he killed with such efficient dispatch were all dug into the ground and covered over. Any excreta were taken care of in the same fashion, fresh earth being carefully scraped over. When he slept, which was seldom, it was a quick catnap, high in the thick branches of evergreens. He was infinitely cunning and resourceful always. Above all, he feared nothing. On the second morning of his travels, he came down at dawn to drink at the edge of a reed-fringed lake. He passed within a hundred feet of a rough, concealing structure of reeds and branches on the lake shore, in which crouched two men, guns across their knees and a Chesapeake dog. A fleet of decoy ducks bobbed realistically up and down on the water in front of them. The dog stirred uneasily, turning his head and whining softly when the cat passed by, silent and unseen. But one of the men bade him be quiet, and he lay down, his ears pricked and his eyes alert. The cat stayed staring at him from behind some bulrushes for a while, then raised his tail so that it alone was in sight and twitched the end, enjoying the dog's silent frustration. 
turned and stole silently down to the lake shore, where presently his long, slim body, crouched on a rock, was seen in the binoculars of one of the men. Here, kitty, kitty, called an uncertain voice after a moment's silence. And then, puss, puss, here, puss, it tried in gruff embarrassment ignored by the cat, who curled his pink tongue down to the water and drank slowly and deliberately. Two voices called now with an undertone of laughing disbelief. He raised his head and looked directly at the two figures standing up black against the sky. He heard their excited argument, and then an intentional poser. He shook each paw daintily in turn, stepped delicately down from the rocks, and vanished from the men's sight. Behind him, he heard a burst of incredulous laughter and continued on his way, well satisfied. The cat went on through the early morning mists, still following the trail of the dogs. And here it could not have been very old, for he found partly chewed rabbit skins and several other clues near some rocks where they had evidently passed the night. And the scent was still quite sharp to his acute sense. They had cut across country at one point through several miles of deep spruce and cedar swamp so that the going was alternately soft and dry and strewn with needles, then damp and spongy. It was a gloomy place, and the cat appeared uneasily, frequently glancing behind him as if he thought he were being followed. Several times he climbed a tree and crouched on a branch, watching and waiting. But whatever it was he scented or imagined showed equal cunning and never appeared. But the cat remained wary and suspicious and felt with every nerve in his body that something was following, something evil. He increased his pace, then saw with relief that the area of deep, gloomy bush was coming to an end. Far ahead of him, he could see patches of blue sky, which meant more open country. An old fallen tree lay ahead of him on the deer trail that he was following. He leapt onto the trunk to cross it, pausing for a brief second. Then every hair on his back rose erect, for in that moment, moment he heard quite distinctly and felt rather than saw the presence of the animal following. It was not very far behind him. Without further delay, the cat leapt for the trunk of a birch tree, clinging with his claws, and looked back along the path, into view moving with a velvet tread that equaled his own, came what appeared to be a large cat, but it was as different from the ordinary domestic cat as the Siamese himself was different. This one was almost twice as large, chunky and heavy, with a short bobtail and thick furry legs. The coat was a soft gray, overlaid with a few darker spots. The head differed only from an ordinary cat in that it was framed in a ruff of hair and the ears rose into tuft points. It was a wild, cruel face that the Siamese saw and he recognized instinctively a wanton killer and one that could easily outclass him in strength, ferocity, and speed. He scrambled as far up the young birch as he could go and clung there in the slender trunk swaying under his weight. 
The lynx stopped in the center of the trail, one heavy paw lifted, gazing up with gleaming, malicious eyes. The Siamese flattened his ears and spat venomously, then looked quickly around, measuring his distance for escape. With a light bound, the lynx landed on top of the fallen tree trunk, and for another endless moment, the two pairs of eyes tried to outstare one another, the Siamese making a low, eerie hissing noise, lashing his tail from side to side. The lynx leapt for the birch, straddling it easy with powerful limbs. Then, digging in the long claws, he started up the trunk towards the cat, who retreated as far as was possible and waited, swaying perilously now. As the heavy weight came nearer, the tree bent right over, and it was all that the cat could do to hold on. The lynx reached a paw out its full length and raked at the cat, tearing a strip of bark away. The cat struck back, but the tree was waving wildly, and he lost his grip at the movement and fell. The tree was so far bent over that he did not fall too far, but even in that short time he twisted in the air and landed on his feet, only to hear a heavier thud a few yards away. The tree whipping back had dislodged the lynx almost at the same time, but the heavier animal had fallen with more impetus and less agility. For a split second, it remained where it was, slightly winded. The cat took his advantage of that second and was off like a streak, running for his life up a narrow deer trail. Almost immediately, he heard the other animal close behind. It was useless to turn and fight. This was no stupid bear who could be intimidated, but a creature as remorseless and cunning as the cat himself could be to other smaller animals. Even as he ran, he must have known that flight was hopeless too, for he leapt with desperation up the trunk of another tree, but they were all saplings, and there was little length of trunk for him to climb. This time the enemy was more cunning. It followed only halfway up, then deliberately swayed the pliant tree from side to side, determined to shake the cat off. The situation was desperate, and the cat knew it. He waited until he was on the lowest arc of the swing and then gathering up his muscles under him until he was like a coiled spring, he leapt for the ground. The lynx was almost as quick, but it missed by a hair's breadth when the cat swerved violently and then doubled back on his tracks and shot like a bullet into a rabbit burrow that opened up miraculously in the bunk before him. The terrible claws so close behind slashed harmlessly through empty air. The cat forced himself into the burrow as far as he could go and crouched there unable to turn and face what might come, for the burrow was very narrow. His pursuer, too, dropped to a crouched position and then pushed an exploratory paw into the burrow. The cat was fortunately out of reach, so the lynx lowered its head and rashly applied one malevolent green eye to the hole, withdrawing it quickly, however, and shaking the tawny ruffled head in baffled fury. When a flurry of earth hit it full in the face, cat's hind legs were working like pistons, hurling earth back out of the hole. The lynx drew back to work out its next approach. Complete silence fell in the clearing, and all seemed peaceful and quiet in contrast to the wildly beating heart of the desperate, trapped cat. 
Systematically, the lynx began to dig away the earth around the entrance to the burrow with its powerful forepaws. And it was so engrossed that it failed to hear or to scent the soft downwind approach of a young boy wearing a bright red jacket and cap and carrying a rifle who had entered the bush from the fields beyond. The boy was walking softly, not because he had seen the lynx, but because he was out after deer. He and his father, half a mile away, were working in parallel course with prearranged signals. And the boy was very excited, for this was the first time his father had considered him responsible enough to accompany him with his own rifle. Suddenly he saw the infuriated animal scrabbling away at the earth and heard it growling softly as a continuous hail of earth coming from an unseen source <sighs> covered it. In that same instance, the animal looked up and saw the boy. It crouched low, snarling, and no fear showed in its eyes, only pure hatred. In a split-second decision, whether for fight or flight, it sprang, and in the same instant, the boy raised his rifle, sighted and fired, all in one quick motion. The lynx somersaulted in the air and fell, its breath expelled in a mournful whistle as it hit the ground. The forelegs jerked once. A last spasm of nerves flickered across the fur, and it lay dead. The boy was trembling slightly as he approached the dead animal, unable to forget the look of evil, savage fury on the cat-like face which now lay before him, lips still curled back over white, perfect fangs. He stood looking down at his unexpected victim, unwilling to touch it, waiting for his father, who presently came panting and anxious, calling as he ran. He stopped, staring at the tawny body lying on the pine needles, and then at the white face of his son. He turned the animal over and showed the boy the small, neat hole where the bullet had entered. Just below the breastbone, he looked up, grinning, and the boy smiled, shaking. The boy reloaded the rifle and tied his red neckerchief on a branch marking the entrance to the clearing for their return. Then they walked off down the trail together, still talking, and the hidden cat heard their voices receding in the distance. When all was silent, he backed out of his refuge and emerged into the sun-dappled clearing, his coat covered with sandy dirt. Completely ignoring the dead body, even though forced to step around it, he sat down within ten yards of it, coolly washing his fur from the end of his tail to the tip of his nose. Then he stretched himself luxuriously, and with a final gesture of contempt, turned his back on the lynx, and dug into the earth with his hind claws to send a last shower of dirt over the animal's face. That done, he continued on his way, cool and assured as ever. Two days later, he caught up with the dogs. He came out on a crest of a hill forming one side of a valley where a small stream meandered between alder-grown banks. Across the valley, clearly discernible among the bare trees on the opposite slope, he saw two familiar and beloved gold and white figures. His tail switched in excitement. 
He opened his mouth and uttered a plaintive, compelling howl. The two figures on the hill opposite stopped dead in their tracks, listening to the unbelievable sound as it echoed around the quiet valley. The cat leapt onto an overhanging rock, and as the howl, hollow, raucous howl went ringing back and forth, the dogs turned questioningly, their eyes straining to seek the reality of the call. Then the young dog barked frenziedly in recognition and plunged down the hillside and across the stream, closely followed by the old dog. Now the cat began to run too, bounding like a mad thing down the hill, and they met on the banks of the little stream. The old dog nearly went out of his mind with excitement. He covered the cat with frantic licking. Twice he knocked him over with his with his eager thrusting head. And then carried away with enthusiasm, he started on the same tight, intricate circles that he had used on the collie, whirling nearer and nearer, until finally he burst free from the circle and rushed at the cat, who ran straight up the trunk of a tree, <laughs> twisted in his own length, and then dropped on the back of the dog below. All through this performance, the young dog had stood by slowly and happily swinging his tail, his brown eyes alight and expressive until at last his turn came when the old white clown collapsed in an ecstatic panting heap. Then the Labrador walked up to the cat, who rose on his hind legs, placing black forepaws on the neck of the great dog who towered above him, gently questioning at the torn ear. It would have been impossible to find three more contented animals that night. They lay curled closely together, in a hollow filled with sweet-scented needles under an aged, spreading balsam tree near the banks of the stream. The old dog had his beloved cat warm and purring between his paws again, and he snored in deep contentment. The young dog, their gently worried leader, had found his charge again. He could continue with a lighter heart. Read the next chapter, read the next chapter, read the next chapter.